The Fabulous 413 podcast is funded by Northeast Solar, helping customers make the switch to solar for savings, energy security, and tax incentives. Learn more at northeast-solar.com. Welcome to the Fabulous 413. I'm Monty Belmonte. And I'm Colleen Smith. And today on the Fabulous 413, we've got our regular Monday guest, Mr. Universe, Hampshire College astronomer, Dr. Salman Hamid, who's also on the board of Amherst Cinema, talking to us about Scorsese's latest outing, as well as Ronin planets in the nebula, in the Orion Nebula. Oh, oh like around its belt and stuff? Yeah, yep. Ah, so cool. But first, it's been a banner set of years for animal shelters, and one of the largest ones in the area is just down the street from us. So let's walk down the road and go pet some fluffy, cute things. Oh, and, and find out about the other awesome stuff that Dick and Humane Society does in the area. We are totally pandering to you, the donors, with pets. The down part of working at an animal shelter is everyone's like, oh, everything is so cute. I can't take things home. Let's go hang out with some of the animals. All right. We are in the lobby of the Dakin Humane Society in Springfield. It is the go-to Humane Society for Western Mass. It's one of the most beloved nonprofits. Anytime there's any sort of like fundraising campaign, always at the top of the charts is the Dakin Humane Society. I'll say this in the middle of our NEPM fund drive. Shameless plug. So hopefully keep us competitive. My name is Meg Talbert. I'm executive director for Dakin Humane Society. How long have you been the executive director? Uh, coming up on a year. I just passed my one-year anniversary. Yay! All right. Yeah. Well, talking to these people who only took their posts like when we took our posts. Yeah. So it's really interesting to see people at about a year while we're also at about a year. We're all the new well, kids. Congratulations to you guys. Yeah, thanks. We came mostly to just hang out with the animals first, but then we'll talk about some of the needs that Dakin is experiencing, because I've heard 2023 has been sort of a banner year when it comes to the work that you do here at the Humane Society. Absolutely. We're seeing a larger number of animals coming in, larger number of animals being adopted. We've increased our staff, uh, expanded our program, so it's been quite a year here at Dakin. Khalees gets to touch all the dogs, because she's not allergic to them, and I can touch all of the animals. Excellent. Well, we have... I we have my meds, and I have my inhaler. All right. Cats and kittens. <laughs> We have some dogs here today that you guys can meet. The kittens. Oh, you can look at them from afar. Uh, we also have small animals here at Dakin as well. Let's go check them out. So to put a mask on and we'll be okay. You can see we always have a lot of volunteers as well as our staff here at Dakin. So volunteers help us, especially feeding the animals, walking the dogs in the morning, getting ready for the day here. About how many staff members do you have and about how many volunteers? So we have about 60 staff members and uh, upwards of 300 volunteers. And some of those are volunteers that come into Dakin to do work here and then we also have volunteers foster home providers i'm imagining that it's hard to foster kids and it's heartbreaking to have somebody come into your life and then maybe leave your life also probably heartbreaking if you try to do that with animals but it's an important part of what you do here absolutely we actually last year 63 percent of our animals were in foster care before they were adopted and it's so much nicer to be able to get to know them as individuals if they need special more quiet environments if they need medical care or we're watching out keeping a certain eye on animals to learn more about their needs and the best homes foster care homes are able to help us with that. And it is. These foster care providers, they give so much of themselves. It's such an emotional journey for them, but they're so proud when their animals get adopted. And then, of course, we have what's called a foster fail. When, of course, you foster an animal and then you're like, oh, wow, he or she really fits into my home and I'm going to adopt them. <laughs> and then they adopt them and that's yeah. called a foster fail? Yeah. That seems like a foster I, success. It's a foster win, in my opinion. Yeah, why do you call it a foster fail? <laughs> Flip that narrative. Right, exactly. But, yeah, it's just incredible what they're able to do and we have a, a great network of foster parents that like to share their 
pictures and videos and, and certain things that they learn about the animals that they're caring for. So we're in what looks like a cat house, but I have, we, and we've been I in know. here for a bit, I have not seen one cat. Are I they ninjas? Love to I hide. I Actually, uh, into an empty I'm, I'm kind of wondering. Oh. I think Lee uh, might have directed us. I uh, did. I, I into, tricked uh, you for Halloween. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but we have plenty. Let's just take a look. Well, that go. actually, like, you have a poster about spirit kitties. So yes. maybe those are here. Maybe they're afraid of us. Oh, yeah. God. Now I'm afraid of spirit. I'm afraid of spirit kitties. So you guys got to kind of do the down low, look where they're hiding. Oh, yeah. So we can see uh, one of our volunteers is in there feeding these guys breakfast. But she's moving out so we can come into here. Oh, my, he's burning. That one looks just like Morris the cat from the uh, commercials. Nutritious foods even the most finicky cat can't resist. Nine lives, you're my kind of workout. So on the outside of the doors, there's all these like, it's like being in a hospital almost, where there's a sheet about these cats, <laughs> all, all beautifully color printed and everything like yeah. that. So Papa and Otis are in this room yeah. that we're going to see, the kitties. It's Lucky the Spirit Cat. What does Lucky the Spirit Cat mean? What does Spirit Cat mean? Spirit cats are a little bit more more shy. Um, somebody actually required uh, referred to them as a roommate that you never see. Uh -huh. um, so they're going to the be best roommate. Yeah. See, this guy's kind of doesn't even know me. Kind of coming in, so um, interacting. Spirit cats are going to take a little bit longer to interact with their human companions, um, but also might get along really well if you have other cats in the house. So. Why spirit cats? Because they're kind of ghosty. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good for Halloween, but yeah. yeah. This so, cat is so nice. No, he's rubbing super, up against all of us. Do you smell my kitties? Hi. Look at you. So we'd like to give the animals lots of opportunities to have some hiding spaces and have some room to you know, get up or, or be in a private space so that they can come out and meet potential adopters when they're ready, but they have some places to go that respect their needs and their privacy as well. Like Otis, who's staying underneath this fixed structure here. He's not quite so ready to come out for pets. But it's great to have these, these rooms that adopters can walk by. They can take a look at potential animals. All of our adoptable animals are listed on our website, so people can take a look at what we have at any given time. And we always encourage people, look every day if you're interested in an animal because we have new cats, kittens, small animals on the website every day. And that's updated regularly? Like if yeah. you're looking at real estate listings, you can look at your dream house and you're like, oh no, that sold like three months ago. <laughs> that is a great, no, that is a great comparison. It is like the real estate listing, yeah. what's new? And also follow us on social media because we often will you know, pick out special animals for social media posts as well. Nice. We're with Meg Talbert in one of the kitty colonies at the Dakin Humane Society right here in downtown Springfield, Ooh. getting all loved on by this, we'll call it aggressively loving cat. Not aggressive, oh. but aggressively loving. Take yeah. me home. Yeah. I how, wish I could. How many animals do you have right now? About 300 animals in care right now, and some of those are in foster homes. So, mm. you know, don't always have all those at the building. But again, all of the animals that are in foster care are also listed and available for adoption are also listed on our website. So if you see an animal on the website that says, I'm in a foster home, we just send us an email, give us a call. We'll arrange for that foster care provider to bring the animal in for meat. Is 300 a high number, low number, average number for the amount of animals that Dakin usually has um, in here? It's been high this year. We've seen a almost 60% increase in intakes this year, all for lots of different reasons, everything from access to veterinary care to- Being expensive or hard to get. Hard to get and yeah. expensive. You know, we've, we've dealt with some difficult situations in the community with people with housing loss and experiencing some other economic factors that make them 
make the difficult choice to, to give up their pets, but that's why we're here and we can have those pets find a new home and give those people the, the support that they need in making a difficult decision. Lee Chambers, who's with us in the Cat House too, and is the media relations director at Dakin, when, when we were coming in before we started to roll, there was like a, a heartbreaking couple. I'm gonna cry talking about it. They, their daughter just had had kids and the kids were allergic. They couldn't be there with the cats and it was heartbreaking to watch them have to come here to give the cats over. But the way that I saw you and some of the other staff members here kind of rally around them through this process, I mean, this must happen all the time here. It does. Um, allergies that children experience uh, to a new pet happen more than you, you'd think. Families blend, people remarry and bring children under the same roof. You might find out that a dog you've had for three years that's been great with your kids, a kid coming into the house is allergic to. Luckily, they had that episode of the Brady Bunch about this. Do you remember that episode? <laughs> I learned everything from the Brady Bunch. <laughs> Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. I guess well, it was more of a Partridge family. Okay, oh, all right. They had a better band. <laughs> yes. I'd say one of the things that I see every day in our staff and that I just have such pride in our staff because they do see people on their highest highs and some of their lowest lows and they're ready and to support people that are so excited to bring a new animal home and welcome a new animal into their environment and then they deal with difficult decisions, whether somebody has to give up an animal because of a health reason or housing reason or end of life decisions, which we also help people through. Well, let's go check out some more of the animals. Yeah, I think Lauren has a, a dog that she... How often do they escape from here and you end up yeah, like chasing them around the hallways? They're, they're, they're often as a loose cat. In the, in the courtyard and meet Penguin. Oh, yeah, I didn't know you had penguins here. You're going to walk by our pet health center and we can certainly talk a little bit about this new program here at Dakin. It is a accessible, affordable clinic for well care and sick care for dogs and cats that we just opened in July of 2022. We have just had tremendous success there. Amazing team just brought on a second veterinarian for our pet health center. So it's something that we're really excited about. Community members have been so grateful to be able to come to Dakin, especially people who might not have transportation, um, might be coming locally, walking to the clinic with their animals. I don't think that there's another veterinary clinic before you cross the bridge. Having one here, like so close to downtown, it's really, really neat. Oh, who's this good so boy? So this is Penguin. Hi, Penguin. And Penguin, Lauren will tell you a little bit about Penguin and her history. Penguin is deaf. Ah. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Lauren Rubin, I see, who is yes. a behavior coordinator for the Dagan Humane Society. That's me. So Penguin is deaf. She came to us from Thomas J. O'Connor after being found as a stray. She's the nicest, cutest dog, as you can tell. And she actually just got adopted yesterday by a lovely couple who are also deaf. Oh my Yay! God! <laughs> I'm gonna die. <laughs> they live in Rochester, New York. Saw her on the news. Oh uh, my word! One of our volunteers will be driving her across the New York border to meet them halfway. Oh. That's the kind of stuff that every day here at Taken. No wonder you're at the top incredible. of the charts when it comes to fundraising. <laughs> you were the goodest girl. Oh, come here, you. I know you can't hear with? anybody, but do you want to get your picture taken? <laughs> What's this? Oh, Who's behind? She's like, I want to go pee on stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Same, Penguin. Same. The other day, Lauren and I were in their dog holding, and all the other dogs were getting excited because we're both in here, and they're barking, and they're excited. Penguin, sound asleep. Uh, there are benefits <laughs> to being deaf. Yes, exactly. She was so well-rested. We were laughing because the other dogs were kind of really he heavily excited, and we're talking, and Penguin could not be bothered. Sleeping like an angel. Yeah. <laughs> What's the ratio strays that like people bring in versus people who have to, for some reason or another, 
give up their pets. So we actually don't take strays directly. They go through Thomas J. O'Connor. Uh-huh. So we primarily take owner-surrendered animals, so yeah. people who can't keep their dogs anymore. Um, and then occasionally we'll take transports from other shelters. So we, when Thomas J. O'Connor gets full... What are you barking about? What are you barking at, penguin? Um, when they get full, we'll help out by taking some dogs from them. Occasionally we'll pull dogs from the south when their shelters are really struggling. Yeah, we hear about the quote-unquote like Dixie dogs and stuff like that. I don't know, it's a questionable name. Uh, but that, how many animals a year come from, from the south? really depends on the year and the time. Mm-hmm. We obviously look to our region first and helping our region as, as much as we can. But when our dog numbers are low, we have great partners that reach out to us. They're doing a transport up here. They come into Hartford. We can often look and say, okay, we can take three dogs this time. We can take six dogs this time. So it really depends on our population numbers here. But there's always a need. Like if you said always. we're empty, we could take all the dogs you've got yep. at any time. Yeah, and there are great there are great transport partners across the country. So it is really nice that we have the resources, the staff, the support to bring animals from all over the country and also support the animals in the region that need new homes. I wasn't aware of the general network between shelters. Does that usually happen? Like of trading? If a shelter thinks that it might be a little bit better suited to an animal you might have a little bit of trouble with, you kind of just trade and hope for the best? The great thing about the animal welfare industry is there's a lot of information sharing. There's a lot of partnerships. People want to help each other out. We may have an overwhelming number of kittens, so we're going to ship some kittens to MSPCA, and they just did a hoarding case with some mice and they're going to give us some mice for adoption so we really try to one problem could be solved by the other (laughs) exactly also i can't imagine hoarding mice you know i that's a difficult situation but yeah it's great i mean people really do work together because when it comes down to it it's all about the animals and it's about the people it's supporting the people in our community and making sure that they have access to what they need to care for the animals that they love penguins off she's not she's not paying attention to us i think there's people over there whatever there's it's more interesting over here. There's dirt to eat. All right. Thank you, Lauren. Thanks, Thanks, Lauren. Thank you. Coming up more from the Dakin Humane Society in Springfield, you're listening to the Fabulous 413. Shall we go play with more animals? Back inside the Dakin Humane Society with the executive director who's been here for a year, Meg Talbert, giving us a little grand tour of the place. We may be able to peek in here and oh, spay neuter surgery is, uh, they don't have anybody out right now, but we also have a, a large spay neuter clinic where we provide those services to owned pets as well as spaying and neutering all of our animals before adoption mm. um, and also working with community cats and our TNR program, the Kitten Street Team. What do you mean TNR? Trap, neuter, return. Ah. So um, colonies of cats that are in the city. Uh, we have volunteers that go out. Um, they. We'll trap them, bring them here for spay neuter, and then bring them back um, to their communities. And then sometimes if there's kittens out there, the kittens come in and they can be adopted as well. How come you bring them back to the communities instead of keeping them here for adoption? Want to answer that one, Lee? Lee Chambers. Yeah. Uh, Adult feral cats are just not wired to have a domestic life. It'd be like bringing a raccoon inside your house Uh and trying to live with it. They are not geared to domestic living. They don't like people very much. You don't trust them. But we uh, have kittens that we get in from those litters. You have a window of time where you can socialize them, like between the time they're born to about 10, 12 weeks. We work with those kittens. We teach them people are good, people are kind, and we turn them around. And they are totally betrayed by us again and again. Have you read the news? <laughs> Not always. <laughs> no, they. So that's what we do with the kittens. So they, we can, we can turn them around. They can learn to love being a pet. Uh-huh. But the adults, they're just 
it's wired in them to be out and live their life outside. Yeah, mm-hmm. live your best life, adults. Yeah. They did their um, 1,000th cat this year. The, the Kittens Tree team helped their 1,000th wow. cat. Whoa. So there are, is this just in Springfield or where? Uh, they do Springfield. They work in Holyoke. Um, they take calls from other, other places. If, if somebody is saying there's uh, cats that are under my in my garage or under my under my deck, um, they'll come and help out with those. Wow, that's really interesting. I had no idea about that. Our, our team, our spay neuter team. So these guys are magicians. They work so hard. Um, last year, I think it was about 6,700 spay neuter surgeries. We've done them, done upwards of 8,000. So thousands of spay neuter surgeries every year. And this team is, they just grind. They are so proficient and just wonderful, wonderful group here. If you're a person that has a pet, um, and needs to be spay neutered or get some pet health with this clinic that's mm-hmm. just opened. How available is it? Is it drop-in? Do you need to make an appointment? Our appointments are uh, booking out. Our spay neuter clinic is actually booked out until the winter time right now. Uh-huh. Uh, so we always tell people, please plan ahead. So if you're getting a new cat or a new kitten, um, you're not getting it from Dakin and it needs a spay neuter, plan ahead, get on our schedule. Our pet health center is booking out about three weeks for well visits and sick visits as well. So again, you can find all the information to make an appointment on our website, which is dakinhumane.org. What's this little room? Is this like a cat and dog costume room? This is our thrift store. So this is a great resource. Um, All of um, items have been donated and our thrift store is run by volunteers. So if you're coming here um, for an adoption or you're even visiting for the pet health center and you need some supplies, um, you can get these at very low cost discounted prices. All of these things have been donated and all of the um, money that we raise in the thrift store goes back to support Dakin's operations. This is a pretty great selection. Like there's puppy pads, there's harnesses, there's crates. Like, there are Halloween costumes. There are, there are Halloween. Halloween costumes. There's a there's a whole taco Just over here. Just wait till Christmas. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And there's medicine too. It's really cool. And things like that. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Because um, those I remember from my last dog can end up being really expensive. <laughs> right. And it is. It's really you know it's people from the community. You know sometimes it's sad situations they've had. Uh, lost a pet recently, they're giving up, you know, I have some crates or I have some things that I want to donate, but those things are going to live again and they're going to be in somebody's new home and um, used by another animal in our community. It's like the Salvation Meow Me. Yes. Oh, oh there he goes. Oh, so painful, it's good. Oh. <laughs> Don't stop me meow. Do you want to go see if there's any other small animals in the lobby? Should yeah, let's meet the or small did animals. Did you have other areas you want to go leave? We have a few... Uh, guinea pigs. It's funny because I mean this building is set up like an office building and there's like a lobby and all that but the lobby is like filled with crates and containers and animals all over the place. It's It's like a medical office but like with crates and with animals all over. It's very windy. The first couple weeks I would I would just take wrong turns all the time. Like oh I totally meant to be here. I'm like oh I have no idea where I am. So these are what? Are these mice or guinea pigs? These are mice. Um, So again. There's one up here. But that's a striped mice. Yes. Yes. They are not the the the, uh, necessarily the white the white mice with uh, pink eyes that you would often think of about. These guys, again, are new. They're waiting for some doctors. And here's a guinea oh, yeah. pig. That's a good sizer. Hi. Hello, you. He's like, oh, no, I'm being stared at. So again, we do all, all, all these small... Oh, oh, oh. I... oh, here we go. That's the noise a guinea pig makes. He's saying hello. He wants to be part of the interview. Here are some of the tiny spirit kittens that we were talking about earlier. Oh, so these ones are super shy. Mm-hmm. There's this black kitten named Lollipop. <gasps> that is looking at me with the most adorb kitty eyes you have ever seen, licking its lips. I have got two black kitties at home. You should come home with me. We have our staff and our volunteers that do a lot of socialization and enrichment with these guys. Again, as Lee was saying, 
teaching these these animals that humans are fun and we can trust and we can interact and it's amazing when you see even over the course sometimes of just a week or two how these guys come out of their out of their shell and start to interact and then you see them going home and getting adopted it's incredible and were these ones that were found in those kitty colonies? Very likely, yes. Yeah. These toothbrushes aren't for their dental hygiene, by the way. They actually use these to pet them. If the kitten is not ready for a hand on their head yet, yeah. these guys will take a toothbrush and very gently touch them lightly with the bristles on the top of the head and, and just start building their trust to be touched through that first. This cat is like a literal meme. I love cats. I love every kind of cat. Do you see a difference between cat and dog adoption and small animals, which honestly, I only recently learned that you did, like like bunnies and guinea pigs and, and mice? It's interesting because different people are automatically drawn to different types of animals. So there's people that identify, I am a cat person, I'm a kitten person, I'm a dog person. But then you get people that love their guinea pigs or they love their ferrets. They get so excited. People that they will hear that we have uh, mice up for adoption and get really excited and, and come in. So it's really to each their own. And it's great that we are able to answer that call and have a variety of animals for people to bring into their homes. I'm just going to shout out that you have a pair named Hall and Oates. <laughs> a pair of guinea pigs named Hall and Oates. She's a mad I mean, perfect. Actually, all of your small animals have really great names. <laughs> I can't stop looking at pumpkin so fluffy. Who names the cats that are like found in the kitty colonies? Is there like a person whose official job it is to name the animals? Because this <laughs> one's Lollipop, question. this one's Starfire. Starfire, which is a cool name. We have a list. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All of our staff contribute. They come up with ideas. A lot of times they'll come in themes. So we've had like a tea cat theme. We've had different <laughs> movies. And uh, we just adopted a cat named Ed Sheeran. Um, yeah, our we should name, you should <laughs> adopt a sheep named yeah. Ed Sheeran. Great to kind of watch this and see our creativity of our staff with these names. Oh, look at their guitar, guitar brands. brands. <laughs> read, read some of those, please. Fender and Taylor and Ernie and Gresh and Strandberg. Oh, my goodness. Good job, everybody. Yeah. But if you name your cat Taylor, nobody's going to think about the guitar brand. Yeah. You're going to yeah. think about. What you just made me do, look what you just made me oh. Hamer, though. Where's Hamer? Come on. Les Paul. It's yeah. a little bit too specific a name, maybe. I don't know. A kitty or a dog named Les Paul would be pretty cool. Just call it Les. Before you know it, we're going to have Thanksgiving themes. So I'm sure we'll have turkey and mashed potatoes and stuffing and things like that as well. Are you obliged to keep the names that you get from the kitties that you get here at the Dakin? You are not. Most people do rename their, their animals. Oh, uh, too bad. I think the biggest pile out of this might be the tennis players, which is really fascinating. I only know Novak out of all those people. I'm not a big tennis guy. Yeah, I don't. I recognize Coco and Iga and Stephanos. Cool. Yeah. What are the needs of the Dakin Humane Society right now? Meg Talbert, who's the new executive director. I've mentioned earlier that like when it comes to fundraising, you guys are top notch. People, the community really rallies around the mission that you all have. It's incredible how generous the community is. Uh, people that give monetary donations to going on our Amazon wish list and buying whether it's kitty litter or kitten food supplies that that we need. The generosity of our community allows us to do what we do every day. So we are always in need of donations, always in need of supplies. It's also a, a great time of year that we're coming up with a lot of, again, the generosity of the corporations in this community, people that are doing drives for us, people that are giving holiday gifts in honor of their staff. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just incredible. It's my favorite time of year to see people come in and get excited to drop off the things that they've collected in their office. You know, again, people coming in going, my wife will kill me if I leave with a kitten. Don't let me do it. Or maybe do do it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Volunteers, people that are interested in learning how to be a foster care home or people that want to come in and, and volunteer here at the facility 
we welcome you. We want to meet you. Uh, please reach out. I love cats. Thanks again to the folks at the Dagan Humane Society in Springfield. They provide an incredible service to our community, and we hope we here at NEPM are providing... To boldly go where no man has gone before. Hampshire College astronomer Dr. Salman Hamid, Mr. Universe, here at your kitchen table in Amherst for some kitchen table astronomy and some film critique as you are on the board of the Amherst Cinema, which is one of the places you can see Martin Scorsese's new three-and-a-half-hour-long epic film, Killers of the Flower Moon. It says moon in the title, so astronomy is related to it. Another natural tie-in here. Before we get into what we're going to talk about astronomy-wise, which is free-floating planets, which I thought we were all free-floating, how was the new Scorsese movie? So this is really interesting. Thank you, Monty, for bringing the moon part in it. Because I was like, you know, can I tie in some science fiction reference? Some sort of like the Martin Scorsese? Has he done anything in the past? And I was like, uh, no, it's really hard, but I really wanted to say, please, and see this film. Those are the finest, wealthiest, and most beautiful people on God's earth. They outsmart everybody. They have the say. Who gets the oil? Yes, it is long. It's three and a half hours long, and I wish it was a little bit longer. Wow. Because the story is amazing. It immerses you. It's tragic. It's about Osage tribe in uh, Oklahoma. They struck oil. They got very rich. And they were moved from Missouri. That was the whole thing. Like, you know, they were sent into a place which would have nothing. And they got oil. But then uh, a lot of the people didn't like the fact that Native Americans were rich. And the story is about what happened around that time. This is set in the nineteen early 1920s. You also have... Tulsa race riots at the same time. This is a really important film. I think this is one of the best Martin Scorsese films, which is saying a lot. I mean, of course, Raging Bull or Goodfellas. I mean, there are a lot of other films, Taxi Driver. I was not a big fan of The Irishman. Me either. (laughs) But this is, it seems like a personal film to him. And representation-wise, I think he has taken a lot of care to tell the story right and to place it in the context of the native tribe as well. I know it's three and a half hours long and people are going to be like, yeah, I don't want to go and see it. No, go see it. This is an important part of American history, a part of American history that is often and had been ignored, had been covered up. I'm so glad that it is like now being part of a really amazing film. From The Flower Moon to our moon and other things in outer space. What are we talking about astronomy-wise today? So James Webb Space Telescope, I mean, that's that's an easy thing, sort of like, no, you every know. Every day something every the James Webb Space Telescope is I'm tired of James no. Webb. Oh, no, we're not. Never be bored before stars. <laughs> no, so it is a new instrument. And so whenever it looks at places, it's telling you something that's different, this is new. And uh, recently it looked at one of the most beautiful objects in the night sky, and that is the Orion Nebula. It is a winter sky object, so soon it will be sort of like, you know, in the evening skies in a few months, but right now, if you can stay up a little late, you can actually see it. It's part of the Orion constellation. Below the Orion's belt, there is Orion's sword, and there you have a fuzzy patch. If you have a binocular or a small telescope, you can see that. And the reason it is fuzzy is because it's a nebula, it's a gaseous cloud in which a lot of stars are forming. 
The full cloud is actually much bigger than the full moon, the area that it covers, in fact, double the size of the full moon. But this Orion Nebula is a tiny part where young stars that have already formed, these are big stars, because of their light and radiation, they have in some ways blown a cavity through it. And you can actually see inside the nebula. So that is actually really cool. And it has beautiful colors. If you see pictures of it, it's reddish in color. James Webb Space Telescope also has a beautiful image in there. And it's a stellar nursery. So you have young stars. It has been studied a lot perhaps the most studied nebula in the night sky because it's relatively close. It's about 1300 light years away. And so we know if you want to study stars, you can look into that. But it's a gas cloud. So gas and dust is in there. So with visible light, it's actually hard to see through the cloud or what is going on in there. But James Webb Space Telescope looks in the infrared and it can pierce through some of those clouds. But what it found is something that we had not even expected. And what it found was about 540 free-floating objects, which are closer to the size of Jupiter. Most planets, or these free-floating objects, are in an orbit around a star, a solar system. These are free-range planets. Right, so astronomers have discovered some of those before, and they think that those were ejected from a planetary system. That's how we think planets form, that when the star is forming around it, there is a disk, it's called protoplanetary disk, and there some parts of that coalesce, some material coalesce around it, and it forms into planets. Big ones, Jupiter, Saturn size, and then small ones as well. And so when astronomers have found some of those free-floating planets, meaning to say planets without a star, they thought that, well, they got ejected from the star system, and they formed in the same way. But here, it's about 9% of these planets they found, the James Webb Space Telescope, are actually binaries. They are orbiting each other. Mm. And in fact, astronomers who discovered them, they actually called them jumbos, Jupiter mass binary objects. <laughs> I okay. like that. That's a good name. That's a good name. Yeah. Uh, Dumbo would have been even better, but no. no. <laughs> Jumbo. You mean Dumbo. <laughs> so jumbos, and that really forces you to think, wait a minute, they would not have been ejected as a binary system. And that really forces us to think, how were they formed? It could have been a random alignment because in astronomy, when you are taking a picture, you're just taking a picture of it, right? So you can have, maybe they're not exactly orbiting each other, but maybe they just happen to be close in sight. Mm -hmm. But Astronomers think that for that, you would have expected a couple of percent, maybe 3% of so, just statistically, to be in the appearance of binary. But here you have 9% of those. So they think actually these are real binary planets, and these are Jupiter-sized. And it looks like they may have formed that way. Monty, you would say, but wait a minute, but how did they get formed? We have no clue. Wow. So there are some substar objects, which are called brown dwarfs. Brown dwarfs are objects that are about 13 to 15 times bigger than the mass of Jupiter. They are not called stars because you don't have hydrogen fusion in it. In fact, there is deuterium fusion that heats them up. But below that, astronomers didn't think that you would find objects that are by themselves. 
and they formed by themselves. Uh, but now there are, there, it seems like there is a whole range of objects that keep on going in smaller sizes. And there is a very intriguing idea of how they might have formed. One idea is that they got ejected. Somehow they found each other and they got into a binary Aww. orbit. A love story. But it's like, like a same-sex love story because instead of having a star <laughs> and a planet, it's two planets. <laughs> two planets. I'm kind of like moved by this. <laughs> that, that's right. <laughs> you're simply the best. Better than all the rest. Uh, except that it looks like that may not be. I mean, it's very unlikely. Okay. Okay. But one idea is that these were actually going to be stars. But remember I mentioned that big stars have excavated a cavity in the cloud because of their radiation, because they have a lot of ultraviolet radiation. So they actually evaporate gas. So one thing they do, which we knew beforehand, is that these big stars, when they form, so they themselves have formed, and their radiation actually starts to evaporate some of the gases in the nebula in which they were formed. And that can actually stunt the growth of other stars that are forming. It doesn't let other stars keep on getting gas to become bigger and they can stop their formation or they can stop them from being bigger. Now it's like the secondhand smoke of planet formation. I like the same-sex marriage version better than the secondhand smoke version of it. But here is the case. So in this particular case, one idea is that these were stars and half of the stars that form are in binary systems. I mean, our sun is sort of like just by itself, but half of the stars are in binary system. So one idea is that these would have become binary stars, except that those bad, meany, big stars. Smokers. <laughs> they actually avoided them becoming a full star and now they are binary planets, Jupiter-sized planets. So that's a fascinating thing. Why is it interesting? Well, we didn't know these existed. And the reason James Webb Space Telescope could detect them, one, because it could peer through the gas and dust, and also because these planets are still young and they have quite a bit of heat inside of it, which actually emits in the infrared. So they are not reflecting. That's one of the reasons why just free-floating planets is really hard to detect because planets, usually the way we detect them is by their reflected light. Mm -hmm. Here in this case, they actually have a thousand degree temperature, for example, inside of them because they are still young and James Webb Space Telescope could actually detect them. Even though we've looked at this Orion Nebula so many times since the invention of telescopes, this is all brand new information just because of the way James Webb works in this infrared spectrum as opposed to the way that other telescopes work. Right, and you also need very high resolution. We had infrared telescopes, but you need to identify these dots in the nebula, and James Webb Space Telescope can do that. So apart from infrared, it also has high resolution. And this is the beauty of these kind of instruments, that you point the same instrument that humans have looked at, sort of like, you know, all the way from post-Galileo, right? Mm -hmm. uh, interestingly, Galileo did not note the Orion Nebula, but soon after, actually, people had seen, hey, hey what's the fuzzy, fuzzy up there? And, and it had been noted before, of course, they didn't know the nature of those objects. You can study a lot, but you, you look at it from a different wavelength, different type of light, different type of telescope, and you learn new things. There is another interesting thing that maybe you can think about it, and that is our sun formed in a nebula similar to the Orion Nebula. I mean, in these kind of systems, you form several thousands of stars. Our sun, we don't know where the siblings are because over, I mean, four and a half billion years, we've all spread out and stuff. But our sun formed in a similar type of system. But that means that there may be 
many, many, many more planets that are distributed in the galaxy, which we don't see because they don't have a star next to them. Humans talk about going to other stars and you go like, oh, even uh, Proxima Centauri, uh, 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 it's about four light years away. That's quite far. But there may be planets in between. We can actually find these objects, these, these bodies. If we get better in terms of detecting them, it will be very hard to detect. But maybe we get some other in the future telescopes to detect them. Maybe there are many planets around it that are available for planet hopping too close to get to a star system we can get. And then the other thing I was thinking was, now that we know moons around planets like Jupiter can have water on it, and that has to do simply with the way you don't need the sun. The heat doesn't come from the sun that makes it water, but rather their orbit around the giant planet. And you can actually have the interior that has liquid water ocean like Europa or Ganymede or for Saturn's moon Enceladus or Titan. Maybe there are all these planets out there which have moons around them. I mean, I don't know. I'm going to leave it next. I mean, we don't, we think right now that for complex life, for intelligent life and things like that, you probably need solid surface and things like that. Who knows? But it just opens up a whole class of objects that may be filling up the galaxy between stars. We don't know them. And here they are. They exist. But we now, with the uh, with James Webb Space Telescope, we at least know they get formed in a star system. And Orion-like systems are aplenty. And most of the stars, like our sun, formed in such a system. So there must be planets like these as well. Just when you think the Orion Nebula has done everything good that we could possibly learn about it, it has a couple of fizzled out movies like The Irishman. <laughs> Lo and behold, late career, amazing, um, amazing work from the Orion Nebula. That is absolutely correct. So the final lesson is please do go and see Killers of the Flower Moon and see it in the theater because it is also a beautiful film. Tomorrow on The Fabulous 413, we'll continue our efforts to speak with everyone running in contested mayoral races in Western Mass, and our next candidate will be Justin Hurst, who seeks the position in Springfield. We'll also find out about the Youth Performance Festival as it forays into Hamden County. We'll talk to Kelly Silliman of Youth Performance Festival, and Devere Cockett, who's one of the program's mentors about the new collaboration it's got with Make It Springfield. Thanks to the tireless Fabulous 413 team, and we're going to skip out of here so they can maybe say nice things about us, but a huge thank you to Stephen and excuse me, R&T in New Braintree, who wants to say that at first I did not like the station, but I am liking it better. I do like the station covering the farming portion. Like to know this is a trusted news source. We like covering the farms too. 800-639-8850 or NEPM.org. We'll see you tomorrow. Yep.